Lord, your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand it and apply it this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you've um, been paying attention to the sermon titles lately, you may have noticed a pattern. Last week's sermon was called Good Fruit. This week's is called Good Earth, and next week's is titled Harvest Time. So you may be wondering why the sudden interest in agriculture. One of the great things about Jesus was that he didn't speak in abstract theological language. He used language that everybody could understand, and in first century Palestine, farming was something everyone knew. And in the text today, Jesus tells a story about a farmer who sows seed on four different kinds of ground. Hard, shallow, thorny, and good. And Jesus says the seed represents God's word, what God wants to say to us. Which in a nutshell is this. I love you no matter what you do or don't do. I love you so much that I died so that we could be reconciled. I love you so much that I'm not going to leave you the way I found you, but I'm going to transform you and invite you into an adventure with me. And oh, by the way, did I mention that I love you? That is God's word to us. And we hear it through the Bible, but more importantly through Jesus, God's word made flesh. That's what the seed represents. The four soils can represent a couple of different things. Could represent four different kinds of people. Hard, shallow, thorny, or good. I'll let you decide which one you are. It could also be four different stages in life. Or it could represent four different conditions of our hearts. Four different ways that we respond to what God is trying to say to us. There are times, for instance, when, like the path in this story, we are hard to what God is trying to say to us. There are, and there are a couple of things that can make us that way. Conformity can harden us. The path that Jesus is talking about in this story is not a brick road through a field. It's, it's been worn down because everyone has walked on it. It's the road that everybody takes. It's the path of least resistance, the road most traveled by. Conformity. Sometimes when we think what other people think, when we like what everyone else likes, we become hard to what God is trying to say to us and we can't hear it. Or when we do what everyone else is doing, you know, frantically trying to be more successful and have the best kids and drive the best cars and all that stuff, well then we, the only thing we hear is what everyone else is saying. And we become hard to what God is trying to say to us. Our oldest daughter goes to kindergarten next year and we are already beginning to feel the peer pressure push in on us. Should we send her to an immersion school? Should she go full day so she can get ahead and then get, get into the best school and Harvard and president and all that, right? Because it starts now, you know. There's nothing wrong with those things, but the problem is the only thing we're hearing is what everyone else is saying and doing. And we can become hard to what God might be trying to say to us about rest and balance and family time. When we take the path that everybody else takes, we can become hard to what God is saying. The other thing that can harden us is just the pain and difficulties in life. This path is hard because it's been trampled on, it's been walked all over. 
And sometimes the ways we get beaten down in life, the disappointments, the seemingly unanswered prayers, the ways people hurt us, all of those things can make us hard and cynical, and then we can't hear what God's trying to say. Sometimes through conformity or life's pain, we become hard to the Word of God. But, on the other hand, there are times when we actually hear what God is saying, and, and, and we get excited about it, but then it doesn't last. That's like the shallow soil. The image Jesus gives is of a thin layer of soil with rocks underneath, and the rocks make it warm so the seed springs up right away. But then, because it doesn't have any root, it can't withstand the sun and the wind, and and so it dies. We get excited about our faith, but then we can't sustain it. It's like when you come to church and you get all excited and inspired, and then you end up honking at someone in the parking lot on your way out, which I've heard happens in other churches. We get excited about our faith, but we can't sustain it. And there are a lot of things that can make us shallow. Pat answers to hard questions. You know, why don't you just pray about it and we'll get better? Well, then what if it doesn't? Then our, our faith withers. Consumer Christianity makes us shallow. If all we come to church for is comfort and to be entertained, but not to really engage with God, then, then we face doubts. when we face doubts and difficulties, our, our faith just evaporates. Head knowledge can make us shallow. We tend to think of depth as knowing more things, being able to quote more theologians. But biblically speaking, depth is not knowing more things, it's doing what we know. Head knowledge is the most shallow part of our faith. After all, our heads is what's on top of our bodies. It's our hearts that lie deep within, and only heart knowledge can change us. Sometimes we're shallow soil, excited about God, but then it just kind of doesn't last. Still other times we, we feel like what God is trying to say to us just gets choked out, just gets drowned out by all the cares and worries and wants in our life. That's like the, the thorny ground, the weeds. Careers, church activities, kids, grandkids, our wants, our worries, drown out what God is saying to us. Just just like weeds in a garden can choke out the flowers. And the problem is, some of those weeds in our life can look an awful lot like flowers, can't they? The first house we lived in, in California, was owned by the church, and the church had done the landscaping before we moved in. And at the time, I didn't know shellac from Shinola about gardens. And so one day, my dad, who's just this great gardener, was visiting, and I found him furiously hoeing at the garden, and I... I asked him, what are you doing? And he said, why is your garden nothing but weeds? And I said, those are weeds? I thought they were flowers. And he just looked at me as if to say, just don't tell anyone we're related, okay? (laughs) We can confuse the weeds in our lives for flowers. Well, that looks like a flower. So we water it, we nurture it, we care for it, we hope it grows. Success. That looks like a flower, so we we give a lot of time and attention to it. Church activities. Now, that's got to be a flower, right? And so we become consumed by them. But when our jobs, our church activities, our wants and our worries get as much time and attention as God, that chokes off our relationship with Him. Then finally, there's the good soil. Those times when we hear what God is saying to us, how much He loves us, how He transforms us, And that produces fruit in our lives. Things like joy in hard times, meaningful relationships with others, 
significance in life, connection to God. Hard, shallow, thorny, good. And we can be all four within the space of five minutes, can't we? Or we can be good soil in one area of our life and bad soil in the other. You know, we can hear God's word about forgiveness to us, but then get kind of shallow or thorny or rocky or hard when it comes to forgiving others. So what do we do when we are feeling hard or shallow or thorny? Is there hope? How do we change? How does bad soil become good? Well, a couple of ways. The first thing is bad soil needs the farmer if it's ever going to become good. If you ask the question, who in this parable is the good soil, the answer is the disciples. And what's the one thing they do that nobody else does? They go to Jesus when they don't understand what he's saying. When they can't hear God's word, they go to Jesus. And then they ask him, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus gives this great answer. He says, so that seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. Oh, thank you. Clears it right up, Jesus. And then Jesus has this little joke. Well, you guys understand it. But just in case, let me explain it to you. And then he explains the parable. So often we think that God's word to us should be crystal clear. Easy to understand, easy to hear, and better yet, easy to do. God, you should just speak more clearly. But there is value in not always understanding. Because it forces us to go to him for clarification. To really hear what God is saying, we have to stick close to Jesus. He is God's word made flesh. We can hear it only through him. We need the farmer. The other thing bad soil needs to become good is a plow. In Jesus' day, a farmer would, after he sowed the seed, he'd plow up the ground to make it more receptive. And, there, and when we are feeling in a bad soil mood, there are a lot of plows that God can bring into our life. The Bible can act as a plow because it reminds us of who God is and what's important. Other people can do the same thing. Doing God's word, serving. Because when we do God's word, we understand it better. Those things act as plows in our life, breaking up hard ground. Another thing that makes bad soil good is weeding it. If there's something that's choking out God's word to us in our life, he will weed it out. At the height of my ministry in California, I was reveling in my success. I'd seen this little group of a handful of students grow to a couple hundred, and I'd become a bit convinced that it was me, although I always gave the church answer, oh no, God did it through me. (laughs) And I was very busy trying to maintain all that success, and that was like a weed choking out my relationship with God. I was just too busy. Well, then, for a lot of reasons, the attendance plummeted for a couple of months. And at first, I was angry, and then I was desperate to try to stop the decline. But eventually, I just started to resign myself to it, and I started praying things like, Lord, what is it you're doing here? Just show me, and I'll get on board with it. Even if you want to kill this ministry, Lord, I can do that. I'm sure I can do that. (laughs) And out of that experience, I started to hear what he was trying to say. He was trying to say to me, Scott, I love you way more than this ministry, even if it doesn't succeed. And I care way more about transformed lives than I do about attendance figures. And through that, I ended up feeling closer to God and and being a better pastor. He pulled up a weed that was strangling his word to me so that I could hear him better. And then 
Because he knows I'm weak, he brought the numbers back up. (laughs) God will remove what keeps us from him. The farmer plows, weeding. There's one other thing bad soil needs to become good soil. What is it? Fertilizer. More specific. I don't want to be the first to say it. There, manure. Someone said it. Now I can say it. I think you can say that word in church, can't you? I grew up in eastern Washington. It's a great word. Nothing draws us closer to God like hard times. Because in hard times, we need him so much that we're just forced to go to him. And God's specialty is bringing good out of bad. That's what the cross proves, right? That that he turns his death into our salvation, good out of evil. And when we see that, we trust him more. Now, I want to be clear. God doesn't bring hard things into our lives. He doesn't have to. Just like the farmer doesn't need to manufacture manure for his farm, right? On a farm, manure happens. (laughs) But the farmer uses it for good things. Right? In and of itself, there's nothing worthwhile about manure, but used right, spread around, worked into the soil, it makes it richer. When we face hard times, God uses them for our good, to make us fertile soil. I worked with a student in California who came to Stanford, a, a very enthusiastic young Christian. But he had one problem. His mother was a severe alcoholic, so severe that at times she would end up living on the streets. His view at the time was that if he just prayed about it, she'd get better. But instead she died of alcoholism, which plunged him into a huge faith crisis. He, he didn't understand why God didn't answer his prayer, especially since it was a good one. And he was angry at God, so he threw himself into school, taking more classes than he needed, doing more activities than he should have. His pain had made him hard to what God was trying to say to him. And his early theology had proved too shallow to sustain the realities of life. And his relationship with with God was getting choked out by all the things he was doing. Well, I'd meet with him once a week to talk about God and his life and the Bible. And and he had the strangest way of reading Scripture. He'd, He'd go through the Bible and pick out all the passages where God seemed mean. Any place where God gave a rule or, or seemed angry, and, and he'd show them to me and he'd say, See, God is not good. He had some good questions. So I'd try to explain how, how God is like a good coach and he gives us rules and discipline so that we can become everything we were meant to be and, and how the reason God gets angry at sin is because he loves people and he hates how sin hurts people. But then he'd just quote another passage where God seemed mean. So I'd quote a passage back at him like, God is gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And then he'd show me another passage and I'd quote another one like, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And we'd go on and on. We did this every week. And I'd always say, this isn't productive. You don't want to get in a Bible quoting contest with a preacher. You're going to lose. (laughs) And not just because I know the Bible. But because at the end of the day, there's more in that book about God's love than anything else. And at the end of each meeting, I would just put my arm around him and pray for him because there was nothing else I could do. We did this for three years. Then something started to happen. He began to notice all those places in Scripture where God is actually loving. And he started to make some really good friends, not just buddies, but people who really loved him and prayed for him constantly. 
He got an internship that gave him a great summer experience. And I asked him, do you think this might have come from God to show you that he loves you? And he said, maybe. And then he got a girl, which always helps. (laughs) But not just any girl. One that thinks he's better than ice mint tea on a hot summer's day. And then finally he began to say, could it be that God loves me too? Today he's in ministry. Only now he has a theology that can withstand the worst that life can dish out. A theology that is centered on the cross, where God himself experiences suffering and then transforms it into something redemptive. He's ministering to his family and showing them who Jesus is. And he's mentoring college students, and he's especially gifted with people whose lives are painful because he's been there. God used all the thorns and rocks and manure of his life to make him abundant fertile soil, and he is producing fruit. At the end of this three-year-long ordeal, he sent me this picture. It's me baptizing him. This is two months before his mother died, two months before it all began. And in this moment, he did not know what his future held, but well he knew who held his future. And when his long, dark night of the soul was over, he sent me this picture as a reminder that God uses even our worst experiences for our benefit And then in spite of all appearances, God is good all the time. And I hung this picture in my office because it reminds me every day that even the rockiest, hardest, thorniest soil can be made good through the skill of our loving Father. What is the state of your heart this morning? Whatever it is, I know this, God's not going to judge you for it. The farmer in this story doesn't look at the bad soil and say, oh, bad soil, not worthy. Instead, he sows his seed generously on every type of soil because he knows that he can make it good. So whether you've been beaten down by the pain in life or are unable to sustain joy in God or are choked by wants and worries or can't hear what he's trying to say because you're not sure you even believe in him, he's always there. He's always working with the rocks and the thorns and the pain in our life to make us rich, fertile, abundant soil. So that in the words of the prophet Jeremiah, we can be like trees planted by the water with deep roots. We will not fear when the heat comes nor have worries in a year of drought. In the dry years, we will not be anxious but will bear fruit in every season. We will be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Lord Jesus, please make it so. Regardless of what the condition of our heart is this morning, please use all the parts of our life to make us the kind of soil that receives your word and responds with joy and bears fruit. Please do this, and we'll be grateful people. In your name, Jesus, amen.